I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the Thursday 905 Roundup. Today we are taking a bit more of a somber uh, tone on our on our podcast recording today. Um, we received word, uh, as most people in Burlington and Halton, and uh, as well as Hamilton today, that former Burlington Mayor Walter Mulkowicz passed away today peacefully in his uh, in his sleep, surrounded by by family. And we want to take a a moment today to uh, to just reminisce of, about his contribution to civic life here in Burlington and just what. What a, I think what a stand-up role model as a civic leader uh, Walter was to a, a good number of, uh, I'll, I'll say the political class of, of Burlington, uh, if you're on the progressive landscape or progressive uh, end of the spectrum, Walter was definitely in, in your uh, wheelhouse is the best way to, to phrase it. Roland, you had, you had dealings with the former mayor in your life as a volunteer back in the, back in the day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Walter was a, was a friend. I mean, anybody who's not familiar with it, this part of, um, well, Burlington in particular, but, but Holton and, and, uh, and to an extent Hamilton may not know who Walter Markovich is, but, um, he was mayor of Burlington, um, back in the nineties, but certainly after, after stepping down from that role, which he had to step down for ill health, he continued to play a significant role in, in the life of the city in all kinds of ways. Partly just as a, as a mentor, I mean, being just incredibly well liked by his colleagues on council. Those were the days. And uh, I mean, uh, how I met him was through um, something called Shape Burlington, which was a, which was a committee established in oh, about 2000, 2008. I can't quite remember the dates now. 2008-9, which is really the first sort of thing that I was involved in to do with uh, politics, um, certainly municipal politics. And it it was something that he co-chaired with someone called John Boych, uh, both with kind of long-time uh, community activists. And the idea was to fix the what was seen at the time as being a very problematic kind of relationship between between citizens in Burlington and the city. Uh, and it was felt that, you know, something needed to change. And that committee was... It was really important at the time. I mean, I mean, whether whether it, the ends it uh, hoped to achieve were achieved, I'll leave for others to ask. It led to various things, but certainly, you know, Walter on that was really to say he was the key person on that committee with, with John Boych is, is an understatement. I mean, they really it wouldn't have happened without him and without them. Uh, they were both really important people who just wanted to serve their community just because they did. There was no ulterior motive there. Um, and um, uh, I mean, and that doesn't really convey the kind of person that Walter Markovich was because he was just a really, he was funny, he was humorous, he was extremely intelligent, he was very, very thoughtful. He wasn't someone who rushed to judgment about anything. And he was, I mean, he was a lifelong NDPer and he ran for the NDP in Burlington uh, uh several times i think but he i know for instance that felt former conservative mp uh, mike wallace was uh, you know was a good friend and, and to an extent walter was a was a mentor to him so you know really did reach across the political boundaries uh, to, to work uh, to work with people i mean the, mike wallace was a counselor was how he originally knew walter but subsequently you know they took very different routes uh, very different political directions if you like but uh but 
you know, uh, Walter was a sort of a man of his word and that, that he didn't let that get in the way. So um, uh, uh, it was very much the sort of person who, who the kind of person involved in politics, the kind of community activist is that, that we should all uh, aspire to be, you know, and someone who can still be learning and, and have an open mind and be willing to uh, think about new ideas and consider new things um, right until the, the, the last years of, of your life. And uh, that's certainly what Walter was. And, and uh, you know, uh, he will be a huge loss for Burlington because it's just, he was someone that I think everybody kind of looked to as you know, this this is the kind of person we'd all like to be. You know, um, what, what what always struck me is you you and I had um, you know, we were former liberals back in our youth, <laughs> uh, and and but Walter's name was always some always a name that kind of popped up. It was always a, a name that kind of no matter what circle you walked in, his name at some point his name was going to come up and and just his, his personality. But it was never in a bad way. It was never a, you know it was never a a confrontational antagonistic way. It was always kind of, he was always kind of viewed a bit as like Burlington's elder statesman, uh, kind of role. The, you know, the, the, the one who, who would come and just kind of give like, you know, sound judgment and like, like a cautious tone to, to the conversation. Cause you and I both know that in po- the world of politics, emotions bubble up to the surface really easily. And the one thing you always, Whenever Walter would, would enter into a conversation about anything politically in, in Burlington, it always tended to bring the tone down to a more rational, reasonable, uh, uh, temperature. And, and, you know, he, it was always, he'd always, yeah, I thought, I didn't know him personally. I just knew him through his reputation. Um, and his reputation was always that of somebody who put the people of Burlington first, even, even after serving as mayor is his, uh, his legacy was always as somebody who would always want what was best for the people of Burlington, not, not even its institutions, the like just were people being looked after by their elected officials, which I think in this day and age is, it's an admirable trait. And it's something that I, th- I hope a lot of, uh, Burlington and Hamilton and, and, and really any 905 civic leader would kind of take to heart and maybe try to role model and emulate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we desperately need more people like Walter, you know, as, as a leader, you know, that, that kind of, we, we talk about leadership often and the media talks about leadership a lot. And Walter was a leader, but I mean, my experience of him as a, in quotes, leader was, was, was as a consensus builder and someone who didn't lead, but who made sure that a group of people from very in my in that committee, you know, people from very diverse backgrounds, um, people who were soon to run for for roles in council, uh, people with political ambitions, people from the left, people from the right, um, could work together and and do something and achieve something, and um, you know. They did. Uh, I mean, thanks to that. And it, it's, you know, everybody knows how committees can go off the rails very easily. Um, and it's often very dependent on the, the person who's chairing it to, to, to kind of set the tone. And, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to see that in action and just how, you know, a, a, a good chair is, 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 has a very light hand on the tiller, so to speak, if we're not mixing all kinds of metaphors there. Well, it, it also says something about his character that if you think about it, when shape, the shape Burlington committee was form, formed, it was a few years after he had stepped down as mayor of Burlington. I mean, it, it, the, his, 
uh, term, he, he was one of the longest serving terms uh, as mayor of Burlington. And before that, had a long uh, history as a, as a city councilor. So he had a long time in, sh- in liter- literally shaping Burlington politics. Um, so to come in and, and be part of a committee that says, well, we think the relationship between City Hall and the citizens is damaged and needs to be rebuilt and reformulated. You know, I, I think a lesser politician would look at that and say, oh, that's an insult to me. That's You're saying that's because of me. Absolutely. How dare you? And, and, yeah. and take it take it as an insult. In, instead, it he takes it as, a, he took it as an opportunity to kind of say, yeah, let's rebuild. Let's, let's what what can we make better here? And in, in some ways, you might want to say, like, if few, poli- like, as much as we want to say, like, few politicians actually get to make a legacy move. A few mayors do, really. Uh, aside from maybe getting your name put on a on a community s- center or a library, maybe few mayors really leave something that's real, like a real legacy or real a real change to the to the community that they served. The Shape Burlington Committee really was, I would I would argue, Walter and John Boyce's legacy to Burlington to really say no, let's let's really give the people a a pathway to input their voices into the into the the political discussions happening that are affecting them um and they did with they you know credit to to john as well who who you and i both know as well knew as well uh credit to both of them that they took it as not as a ego thing or or a blow to their egos or a chance to boost their egos but more as a you know the old civic duty you know my 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 city has called me to serve and i i answer the call kind of mentality which again is few and far between these days yeah, they were they were both very different people in some ways. I mean, they worked well together, but from from very different backgrounds. And and and, and I mean, I think the one thing that, that probably united them is they could enjoy a beer in the bar. <laughs> um, but um, but they were very different. But but it complemented it well. And and, and that kind of uh, it can sound corny, but it was it was the honest truth that you know, the people who just believed in public service and, and, and in building in change for the better for a community. And you're absolutely right. And I'm just going to reemphasize that point you made because it's just, it's so right that most people, after they finish their career in politics, it's a natural human thing. We're all, we're all kind of guilty of this, uh, or it's very difficult not to be guilty of it is that whatever way we did things was, was the good way. Right. And it, it worked for me. It was fantastic. We, you know, we don't need change. And, and the longer someone's career goes on, the more it tends to be. Um, and again, I, I'm not, this isn't a criticism. It's just kind of human nature that we do this. The longer your career goes on, the more set in the ways you, you become and the more defensive you are of people suggesting that maybe you could do it better. And, and you know, to say Walter was the the absolute opposite of that is an understatement. To to basically be the co-chair of a committee that was saying the city has a problem with how it deals with the public, and we need to consider really quite um, radical changes. Uh, you know, and I, I'll keep my own opinion out of it, but um, I, I certainly would agree with that, <laughs> and think there are still changes that would do well to happen today. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that that kind of open-mindedness is 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 a very rare skill, uh, uh, an ability to keep that open-mindedness right through your life, uh, and to be willing to consider thoughtfully. And if you know, I don't, there are a few people on earth who are more thoughtful about any answer they gave to a question than Walter. 
think about it seriously and then give you a considered answer about something rather than you know rushing to judgment um but yeah i mean that, that, that's things, a really important thing but it's one of those things it's the way the way that you described um walter and and john's relationship there was you know that that's kind of how politicians are supposed to act you know and, and, and it's, we don't see that enough in not just at the municipal level, but at the, our provincial and federal level, that you can come in with your beliefs and your 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 political uh, background uh, and and where your opinions and thoughts and how you think the the problems should be solved. But to sit down with somebody that you're that you would have an, an opposing viewpoint to, and you say, "Well, I got to find a way to work with you," and you know the 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 try you know the the heck of a guy uh, mentality of yeah, some guy I want to have a beer with. It it it, it kind of is important, like somebody that you can sit down and say, okay, let's sit down, have a beer, let's talk about these issues, these real fundamental issues that affect people. How are we going to solve them? What is the best course of action? We just don't see enough of that today. We really don't. We, we don't. We don't see enough of that at any level of our political leadership in this country, or dare I say it, even in the world, rarely. Um, and that's kind of why it was refreshing to have Walter as a as as again as Burlington's elder statesman. And I th yeah, right, you're right. His his passing will be felt by a lot of people across the political spectrum, uh, across all, all all factors of Burlington and Hamilton uh, civic life. Um, yeah, Burlington Burlington has definitely lost a, a person of note, and it's a it's a void it's a it's a void that I don't see being filled by anyone anytime soon, which kind of makes us all a little bit more of a bitter a, a bitter pill to swallow. Well, hopefully we we can all learn those lessons and try to recover a bit. You know, I mean, ultimately, um, John Boych, for people who don't know, I mean, when I knew him, he was a, a liberal and the chair of the local liberal, uh, Ontario Liberal uh, Association. Uh, prior to that, he'd been a, a lifelong conservative and he, he had worked closely with um, Cam Jackson, who was the uh, MPP, conserved P, uh, PC MPP for, for a long time in Burlington. Um, so it's a really... You know, they were both people from very different um, backgrounds. I mean, both definitely progressive in their way. I mean, the, the reason that, that John sort of ended up with the Liberals was was over education and kind of falling out with the party he'd been a uh, member with, with over, over that issue. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was you know, that, that ability to sort of rec recognize the fundamental humanity in someone, regardless of what party they're in, but regardless of whether they're fighting for the same job as you, uh, is, is so important. And, and, and the fact that it is, uh, in our current world, um, so apparently on the decline is, 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 well, it's more than tragic. Well, let's hope that, uh, Burlington, Hamilton, and the 905 civic leaders, especially leading into, the provincial and municipal elections this uh, this year maybe take a little bit of this to heart and 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 put it, put put those thoughts in in front of their words next time they uh, they speak or they or they debate their their opponent. Here's hoping. On that note, we'll take a brief pause for our sponsor and then we'll be back with uh, some more episode. And we are back. Um, so switching gears to the other big news, we're recording this on March 1st, uh, for the record. So today's the big day for, uh, if you're a restaurateur that 
Uh, I mean, what, 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 would, what would we call this in COVID day? Is that, you know, co- co- C day? Is that is it C, C COVID day? liberation day? Because it's just all over now. It's all, it's all done, right? You know, it's yeah. like it never well, happened. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I know that I, I, I have very mixed feelings about, about this. I, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, again, uh, if you've been living underneath a rock, uh, surprise, uh, the, Ontario government lifted up pretty much all the COVID-19 restrictions, no more vaccine passport, no um, uh, uh, indoor restrictions for restaurants uh, in, in terms of uh, gatherings anymore. Um, and it appears on the horizon that the mask mandates may, may be lifted as well in a few weeks. So right now it looks like we're all going back to life as normal. Um, I, approach this with great trepidation <laughs> and i don't mean that's just me being uh uh traumatized from two and a half years of COVID 19 but um I, I have a feeling we've been here before we've been we've done this dance before and it just it never works out well in our favor yeah i mean i mean yeah i i feel the same doubt confusion the easy thing to do is, is to be really angry at the, at the provincial government, uh, and, and that may be the right thing. I'm not saying that's not the right thing uh, at all. Uh, far be it from me to ever jump to their defence. Um, but it, it's I, I, what is what does this really amount to? I think what it really amounts to is the process that some other countries have already gone through, for better or worse. In some cases, certainly seemingly worse. Or basically saying, okay, over to you guys. We're done with this. Um, we'll let the numbers go where they go, and and you take responsibility for your lives, which in one way is okay. I mean, like, we do ultimately have to make our own choices. In my own kind of way of thinking of it, increasingly is I feel I have a responsibility not to put anybody else at risk, but what by what I do, uh, so that if I were to catch it, I don't give it to anybody else. But that I'm at liberty to take what risks I want to take to fit in with my life isn't really the way I want to put it. But you know, ultimately, we take risks when we get in a car. We take anyway, this. This can easily start sounding like I'm one of the truck people, and that's not why. <laughs> it's absolutely not. But but basically, that's what's been given to us now. It's like you decide what you're comfortable with. If right. you want to go to a bar, go to a bar. You're taking the risk and you're taking the consequences. Um, if you want to travel, you're taking the risk, you're taking the consequences. And I mean, I, and I think that the, the, the thing that has to be mentioned here are the thousands and thousands and thousands, if not millions, when you count up the entire country of people who, who have compromised immune systems for whatever reason, or who basically can't take that risk because that risk is, is, is much too high. Uh, you know, I'm risking, like I say, I'm, I'm taking a risk if I go to a bar because you're basically putting faith in whoever you're sitting next to. Um, Who's you know a complete stranger? Um, well, that's that's, and that's one that's, kind of risk that it's like okay, is that reasonable for me? For me, yeah, maybe it is, but it's for all the other people that that that. We're, see, I'm I'm yeah. comfortable I'm comfortable taking the risk myself because I I mean I I'm vaccinated, my my wife is vaccinated, our kids will be vaccinated. We're uh, we're we're in the process of getting that done. Um, so I mean we're, we're taking the process to to secure our you know our family and all that. I, 
I, I'm, I'm, I have mixed feelings because I, the, the rationale doesn't sound uh, like it's based on science, in my opinion. The, 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 the lifting, like, I, 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 should, I should preface this by saying I, I didn't think the lockdowns worked at all, really. I think the lockdowns were basically um, another sign of we, we don't have a plan. We're just giving up and we're locking everything down. Um, there's no let's put conditions on people to interact with each other. Let's let's educate. Let's really educate people on on how to live with this virus. That's the other thing is we're hearing. This, oh, now we have to live with it. It's like no, this isn't living. This is just giving up to it. Because living with it means we're going to have to change our habits. We're going to have to change our lifestyles somewhat. And to me, part of the mask mandates and the vaccine passports were big factor of that because the idea was again or last summer i went to a couple jays games uh and i felt eminently safe because i said okay everybody everybody in this stadium is double vaccinated i know this that's that i i i i got my uh because of the vaccine passports my you know when my wife and i went out for a couple uh a couple times last year for a bite to eat at a restaurant i knew everybody in that restaurant was protected i felt safe there I necessarily won't feel that way now because I just, I, I don't know. Um, and that, that's the thing is like, it, it, we're now, you're right. We're on our own. I, and I don't know the, the rationale for that other than, and a part of me just cannot shrug this from my, my, the back of my head is that we're capitulating to the truck people, the, the truckers that stormed Ottawa and blockaded the border. And we're, we're kind of just, we're appeasing them somehow. And that yeah. part of me, the, the part of it just that does bother me. It, it bothers me because, like Roland, you and I sacrificed a lot. Like we we aren't recording this in one room. We're recording this uh, uh, online because we start we started out that way because we couldn't see meet each other face to face. I haven't seen friends in close to three years now because of this pandemic. Because we were told we shouldn't get together in groups. So be it. My child's my children have had really horrible birthdays because of restrictions and to say yeah none of that was we didn't learn anything from that and and it, we could say okay fine we're going back to the way it was before but i'm just every time we've said that before every time we say okay restrictions lifted let's go back we end up with huge spikes in case numbers um my worry is another and from what we've you and i have had uh epidemiologists and doctors on this show and all of them have said yeah a, another variant will come we don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know how bad it's going to be, but another one will come. And it, my worry is, yeah, what if it is worse? What do we have anything to, to get people to say, okay, well, I have to just readjust my life to this. We don't. Uh, and yeah, like you say, to basically say that the, the people who are primarily spreading it, the people who are primarily ending up in hospital have no kind of consequences for their actions that we're not going to demand. Like you say, if we're all triple vaccinated now and we're in a bar, that's that's an imminently kind of reasonable risk for most of us. Most of us, not everybody, but for most of us. But when that's gone and when it's anybody and anything, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a different, it's a totally different sort of calculus. Uh, I mean, I, I'm almost exhausted from, from I, I don't have the energy to be angry anymore about any of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost like I, I've yeah. given up and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is anymore. I, I, well, I don't think that anything the government has done at any point, the provincial government has done at any point has been See, logical or, or that's, that's far-sighted or anything. But I, here we I, are. I also, 
you and I, you and I are political animals, and I, I fully believe that this is a political calculation because the uh, provincial election is on June second. It's a few weeks away, not not uh, years now, and I think they 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 want people to kind of they want somehow people to forget the last two and a half years. The the, uh, the pan. I, I think I think they want to. I think they want to forget the the parents panicking as all of a sudden schools are closed on a, starting on a Monday and parents have to race to find daycare or childcare or whatever. Um, the the fear that parents had of sending their kids to school for too long. They want people to forget that. They want people to forget about uh, doctors saying no. Like are, are people being told no? You're you don't get cancer treatment. You don't get uh, needed surgeries because we've all over the hospitals are full of COVID patients. They they want people to kind of forget that. And I think and you're right. I'm, I I should be angry at that, and I'm just not. I'm I am I am exhausted by this all. And maybe yeah. this is me capitulating, saying, "Fine, you win." Um, I yeah, I, it's a little bit like that. I mean, and there's so much else going on in the world now. Obviously. I mean, it's just uh, there's just I think the sense of sort of tiredness, tiredness all, almost because we know that this is very likely not the end. This is this is just another step in yeah. this process. Um, well, look at, and, look at and Denmark. To be given, I mean, does anybody believe that this is the end? You know, really? Or this is just another summer where where Doug goes touring the province like he did in May June 2020 when it was over last. You know, well, well the first time it was over. No, I mean, back when numbers were, you know, one percent of whatever they are now, <laughs> maybe ten percent of what they are now. Well, I mean, look at Denmark. Den uh, Denmark did the exact same thing that we're doing right now. They said, "Okay, we beat it. Through, you know, remove all the restrictions. No, no passports. No masks. Nothing. No, no re capacity restrictions. None of it. And their system is broken. Like they, they just COVID just." walked in took over the place and they are that's i mean that i get that's a worst case scenario i think for us i don't know if i i don't i hope to god that doesn't happen here i'm probably probably hopes that he's right my probably hopes that you know dr uh kieran moore the ontario's uh chief medical officer and doug ford are absolutely 100 percent right i hope that they prove me wrong and that my fear is is not is not justified time will tell but you know I probably think that they're gambling on this. I think if if there's another spike, um, well, I think yeah, the, the, gambling yeah. that numbers come down in the summer anyway because we're outdoors more. Well, numbers will come down in the summer. They always did. My worry is that if the numbers, if there's like some kind of spike again between March and May, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, here's the other thing: numbers go down, people reelect Doug Ford to uh, uh, to power. They get another. They get another majority of of government because that could totally happen. And yeah, this fall. Oh, guess what? The you know a theta variant or or Omicron two variant or whatever you want to call it. It shows up and boom. We have nothing. We we don't have any policies. We don't have any any protocols to protect us. It's not. It is literally okay. You're all fun for yourself. I. That's when I worry. Well, what happens to the restaurants? Hmm? What happens when restaurants are viewed not as a place of refuge and a place to go eat and dine drink and be merry they look at i'm your average customer says i'm terrified to walk in there well and just what seems to have been ultimately what it boils down to through this whole thing is it better for a restaurant to be opened at reduced capacity all the time 
than to be open at full capacity for a couple of months and then shut for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Open, shut, open, shut, open, shut. Now, I mean, I, I think that you know, the Premier and the, the Ontario government is following the lead of other conservative jurisdictions like Britain and natural inclination to give some level of credence. Although, I mean, I'm, I mean, it'd be fair to Doug Ford. He's not himself been jumping on the, the trucker bandwagon, but certainly kind of giving respect to you know this nonsense about the country's never been more divided, where it's like, well, the country's not divided. Everybody agrees about one thing and 10% of people think something else. The fact that we are saying, go ahead and be jerks um, and put us at risk, that's fine, is... Uh, well, it's so, so so infuriating, but I don't know where I was going with that point, other than the, the well, general I, I, sense I'll tell, of I'll tell you where I'm with it. It's, <laughs> it's, the exact, it's the exact same as we're all told. It's the same. It's just kind of the same BS we were fed in high school, right? When the loudmouth jerk who picked on you, who flicked, you know, picked on you, bullied you, called you four hours, whatever, whatever the case may be, and your teachers told you, you know what, though, you're like that, that guy's going to end up, you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's for a living, and you're going to go on and become a, a super billionaire because you're so smart and witty and creative and all this stuff, and you bought it, and flash forward twenty years later, nope, that didn't happen. Life doesn't work out that way, and you got to suck it up and say, "Oh well, okay." The a- sometimes the asshole wins. This is pretty much saying we're letting the assholes win on this. We're, we we looked we looked them in the eye. They took over the capital, the Ottawa capital. They blockaded the Windsor border, and instead of saying, "No, we're not. We are going," you know, get in line, sit down, shut up. Instead, we kind of said, "Okay, you know what? I I, I well, we'll give you what you want." We lift all the mandates, lift all the restrictions. And I'd like they, to see the you, reward for those of us who played it by the rules. You know, we don't get yeah, a because it feels like that, those that, guys have been rewarded. Okay, they are you get rewarded. to they are. you get to go to the bar without your mask, without your vaccination or whatever. Here's a, and it's like, where, where was a, our well done pat on the back? You know, I mean, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. We don't get one. This, this government's not going to give us one. This government, we are not going to get our, our reward. We're not going to get our just desserts. We're not going to get our our victory parade. We don't get to go to a a COVID success, you know, a COVID victory concert. We don't get to go to those things because those will be attended by those that 10-15% who held up the held up the capital, who held up the uh, trade on the border, who forced uh, forced forward. Uh, the Ford uh, plant in Oakville to shut down a line to cost people's wages and, and hours. The people who did that, they get they get to go to those concerts. They get to w- hold their head high and say, we won, we're in control, we get to feel proud. And the rest of us, the 90% of us who stayed at home, who stressed over our kids going to school, who who worried about our, our livelihoods, who worried about getting us sick, worried about our loved ones who were in long-term care homes, who worried, who cut ourselves off from our friends and family for years. We don't get anything. We do not, we do, we do not come out the winners on this. Well, and we get told if, that if we're, we're dividing the country, you know, by, but if, by you, imbeciles. if you want to, if you're listening, but if you're a listener to this podcast and you're feeling the same way that I am, I'm sorry, I don't have any words, comforting words for you that we don't get to, we don't get to walk away winners in this. We don't get to walk away feeling I, I, I defeated COVID. We get to go and hang out with the assholes that we did all the work for, and they get to come. They get to walk home with the the gold medal. They get to they get to walk home, and they get to go and party and act like they won because they did. You and I, 
do not. We, we have, we're the ones who stayed up all night doing the work, doing the assignment, doing all the hard work, handing it in, and they get all the credit. And if you're pissed off at that, just remember I, that. Yeah. And I think there are literally millions of people, when you include the people who are, are, are immune compromised, have health reasons. But add to that the huge number of people, I think, who just were particularly careful through this whole thing, um, who, 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 who are older, who who f- feel more vulnerable for for a whole host of different reasons, who are scared to leave their homes now, rightly or wrongly, but 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 with some just level of justification, undoubtedly, because it's still out there for them, you know. Mm. Um, and, and those people who've given up the most, who've yeah, like you say, been the kind of A star students who who never bent the rules even for a moment, who stayed home when they didn't need to stay home, um, who haven't been to a single bar yet or even a patio. You know, there, there are millions of those people who are getting royally kind of told, you know, we don't care about you. We're going to make the world for the people who are the the biggest assholes. Yeah, the the, the worst people get to go and have a party. Um, uh, and you know, yeah, it's like I mean, you you went to Jay's games last year. I'd like to go to a Jay's game again, but but I'm not sure if I want to. You know, the, the, well, like I'm almost not, less yeah. this year than last year. Um, it, it would feel strange. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we're going to leave it at that for this week. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll have a new episode next Tuesday for you to listen to. Until then, take care and see you later. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. 
What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.